ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out (laughs) on this podcast. What we're going to talk about is HBCUs. Now, if you've been following the podcast uh, at the time of this recording, it is Black History Month. And I mentioned that this month we would solely focus on um, highlighting black excellence, black issues and things of that nature. And uh, this podcast uh, will be no different. Uh, We will be talking about why HBCUs matter. Um, Before I get started, I want to kind of preface this and give you a little background. Um, This podcast obviously is for anyone who wants to listen. But, you know, I know sometimes when you tend to talk about HBCUs, uh, sometimes white people get somewhat offended and say, oh, well, why are you talking about HBCUs? What about all colleges? This ain't that podcast, right? So, you know, just kind of listen and be quiet. <laughs> um, also, no offense. Got to say this. No offense to any black people who went to PWIs. Um, you know, Going to a PW, there's nothing wrong with going to a PWI. And for those of you scoring at home, that's predominantly white institution. I have no beef, mad love for any black person that went to a PWI. Uh, But for some reason, when you start talking about HBCUs, some black people who went to PWIs kind of get their feathers ruffled. This ain't that podcast either. Just to give you a little background I came to this, I've actually been sitting on this idea about doing this podcast. Wow, it's been about five years now. Um, a young lady that I follow, we follow each other on Twitter uh, by the name of uh, Candace Amos. Um, Candace, at the time, she worked for um, and wrote for the New York Times. And uh, Candace is a, uh, she's a uh, proud HBCU alum as well. And one day she wrote a story about um, where they interviewed uh, black college students who shared the pros and cons of going to historically black colleges, HBCUs, versus, you know, PWIs, the predominantly white institutions. And I found the, the article to be very interesting and intriguing. And it gave me the idea of talking about, you know, why HBCUs matter. And. Again, that was five years ago. So uh, I got the idea and I started kicking it around. And, you know, I just I, I wasn't really sure when I was going to do it. I just knew it was something that I was going to do. And I kept putting it off and putting it off and, until I really kind of got the idea of how I wanted to shape it around everything. What you're going to hear is um, basically some small bite sized conversations that I had with 10 other HBCU alums about their thoughts on their HBCU choice and if and why HBCUs matter. Um, For those of you listening, if you do not know, I am the proud alum of an HBCU. 
uh, I attended South Carolina State University in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So I wanted to give you a little background before I actually got into the podcast. But yeah, that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear a couple of interviews that I did. Again, there were bite sized conversations where I asked uh, these alums about their thoughts on their HBCU and if and why HBCUs matter. Um, Before we get into that, let me give you some brief history about HBCUs. Um, There are 107 colleges in the United States that are identified as uh, HBCUs uh, by the United States Department of Education. Of those 107, three are currently closed. Um, HBCUs were started uh, at the end of slavery. Most colleges and colleges and universities in the southern part of the United States prohibited African-Americans or black people from attending college. So HBCUs were created so that we could have an established opportunity to educate ourselves. Right. The first HBCU was actually founded before the Civil War. Um, Cheney University was founded in 1837 in Pennsylvania. And subsequently, Lincoln Lincoln University and Wilberforce University were founded after Cheney. But those three schools were founded before the start of the Civil War. And subsequently, all of the other HBCUs were founded after the Civil War. So, again, you have a situation where slaves are being free. They're they're no longer under, you know, master's (laughs) plantation, if you will. And now they have to not only educate themselves, but educate their children. And this was these institutions of higher learning was to help do that. And uh, that's where HBCUs came from. Again, 1837, you know, it was a long time ago. Uh, When you think of HBCUs, at least for me, um, several things come to mind. For one, the word strength. Um, The strength to endure and overcome obstacles. Obviously, if you're going from slavery to, you know, establishing a college, uh, you know, that's a lot. And that's not something that just happens overnight. So you're going to need strength and you're going to have to overcome many obstacles. And obviously, that's something that as we you know progress along, that's something that you'll experience as an HBCU student. You'll have to overcome and you'll have to, you know, endure and, and just overcome obstacles. That's it's, it's a given. But that speaks to the strength of the HBCU student. Right. Another word that comes to mind is courage. Um, you had to have a lot of courage. I would assume that you would have to have a lot of courage to one, start your own institution of higher learning. You know. And you're dealing with, particularly back then, you're dealing with young people who have, you know, obviously taught themselves or at least went to some formal school to learn who, you know, where they learned how to read and write themselves. And so that's major. That takes a lot of courage because, you know, I'm sure that 
that was met with opposition. Um, dedication is another word that I think about when I think about HBCUs. Being able to see it through and being able to see each other and push each other. That goes a long way. And lastly, a word that I think about when I think about HBCUs is pride. You've got school pride. (laughs) That goes without saying. Every single HBCU alum has pride in their school. There's nobody that... (laughs) that hates their school. Now they may not like some of the things that their school has done or what have you. They might not like the fact that the basketball team sucks or the football team hadn't won homecoming in 10 years, but (laughs) they still have school pride. There's also a level of self pride, just pride in yourself because you represent that school and that school represents you. And then there's a level of black pride. And that goes without saying, but there's an extreme level of black pride. I remember being at South Carolina State University and I was doing something and I was doing some research on something. And I was looking back at some of the old classes from like the early 1900s. And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me was you know, how they dressed. Like, I mean, you, everybody was in, all the guys were in shirt and ties and the ladies were in dresses and everything and everybody looked so cool and so dapper and everything. And I remember reading a passage about, you know, some of the admissions things that students had to do. And, you know, up until I guess, you know, probably the late 50s or 40s, you know, at South Carolina State, and I'm sure this happened at a lot of other schools, you had to send a photo when you applied to the school. And one of the reasons that you had to send a photo was that you had to do what they call (laughs) pass the brown paper bag test. And what that means is if your skin complexion was darker than a brown paper bag, you probably weren't going to get in school. And that was mind boggling because I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is discriminatory for someone like me who's, you know, if you've never seen me before, I'm dark skinned, the chocolate brother. You know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> in 1945, I might not have gotten into South Carolina State University. But I said all that to say this, there's still a level of uh, an extreme level of black pride because of all of those things that I mentioned, you know, the strength, the courage, the dedication, and the pride. Those are are, are words that very common and, and, and words that I personally associate with HBCUs and the HBCU experience. Now, let's hear from Samantha. Now, Samantha, you are an HBCU alum. Why don't you tell us uh, where you went to school and why you chose that particular HBCU? So I went to the real HU, Howard University in Washington, D.C., the Black Mecca, the Black Harvard, HU, you know, 
Um, so I grew up watching shows like The Cosby Show and Different World, and both of those shows portrayed what I always aspired to be, which was black ex- excellence. Mm. Um, I had family members who graduated from Howard, and I always thought that they were just so cool. I wanted to be just like them. Um, my first time on campus was 1989. Mm. I was eight years old, and it was then that I knew that Howard was home. Um, and then I fulfilled that promise to myself 10 years later after you know graduating from high school. Um, I can remember being a senior in high school, and my dad was so against me going to a HBCU. He just, it wasn't that he didn't like the idea of them. He just felt that I needed to be somewhere like where I would know how to maneuver around people of all races because he felt like the world wasn't all black. So he didn't understand why would I want to go to a predominantly black college. Um, My mother is mixed. She's of mixed race. And she actually felt the exact opposite. She felt like, why not let Sam go somewhere where she um, is around those that look just like her, Mm -hmm. who have had the same experiences as her and are a certain, I guess, level of intelligence like her. Um, and it's somewhere that most importantly, though, I would be celebrated instead of being tolerated. So that was mm. like a really big deal for her. So thank God um, my mom won that battle between <laughs> her and my dad. Thank you, God. Um, and at HU, I realized I was celebrated. Um, I was embraced. I learned so much about my culture, um, probably more than I ever could have dreamed possible. And I learned a lot about myself, too. Um, And it's so cool now because I literally sat beside folk and had classes with people who are now literally leaders um, in this nation on almost every realm. And then I found myself in my true identity. And most importantly, though, at Howard, I found home. Mm. So I really wish that this current generation understood just how important HBCUs are. Okay. Okay. And my next question is uh, all that with what you just said. Uh, why do you think HBCUs, or do you think HBCUs matter? And if so, why? They absolutely do matter. Um, it's, it's so hard to put into words. I, I just think that this world, it's tough enough now that we're all grown, um, being grown black men and women, we need to go somewhere where, like I said, we can truly learn not only about ourselves, but about our history hmm. because Everybody has a story of, well, we learned this in high school or, you know, in elementary school or middle school or whatever. And then you get to college, especially if you went to HBCU and you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you know, like right. you find out things you're like, I ain't <laughs> never heard of 12 years of school. What? Like, and you know, we just, we need to learn our history. We need to see all the opportunities and advancement. I was blown away at how many opportunities there were, um, that were presented to me going to Howard. And that's not to say that, you know, going to a PWI, um, you can't get those same opportunities because you can, because I also went to a PWI, but the two experiences were literally like night and day. Mm. So, and I don't know, I mean, I know this might sound crazy, but the movie Stomp the Yard, um, that's an example I give my child or my son, he's 16 and it's kind of like that same thing. You learn so much that you n- normally probably wouldn't know if you went to a PWI. Yeah. Um, there's just so much history and, and just, they're just imperative to me. Um, I'm not going to lie with my 18 year old. She's now a Spelman. Um, she kind of knew. <laughs> uh, sis, you going to go to HBCU. And at first she was absolutely against HBCUs. Um, she did go to predominantly white 
middle schools. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go to a HBCU. And then thank God, um, right before high school, it kind of clicked for her. And she's like, yes, HBCU or nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just imperative. I, I mean, Kyle, I can't even, it, it's just imperative. Um, now with my son, initially he's an athlete. Um, so initially he's thinking, oh, LSU, Alabama, Florida. Um, and now <laughs> thank you, God. He is like, okay, mom, I'm, I'll consider Howard. I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But he knows at the end of the day, any HBCU, um, I, I'm full support, absolute full support. It's just, it's just one of those things. Like I can't even put it into words. It's just the experience that I got going to a HBCU um, is nothing like it. And I'm not even talking about not only the education, but the lifelong connections that you make. Um, the things that you learn about your people and yourself, it's just, they're imperative. Black excellence. Whew. That's saying a lot. The only time in your life when you will come across this many diverse black people where you're in the same space in the same specific time is on an HBCU campus. A black college campus, it's filled with black excellence. There's no better cross-section of people than in a classroom on a black college campus. The one thing that you can be assured of on a black college campus is that you're going to be constantly pushed and elevated by your peers. It doesn't matter if you're working or you're going to class or you're playing in the band or you're hanging out with your fraternity brothers or your sorority sisters or you're playing a sport. Black excellence is all around you. It's on every single campus. Again, I I go back to my days at South Carolina State and the one thing I learned quickly when I got to South Carolina state was that I was going to have to be better each day. As many of you know, maybe you don't know, like I played football at South Carolina state for the time that I was there for four years. Um, but not just on the football field, I had to be better. I know obviously I had to be better on the football field because the competition that I played against in practice was great competition. And so, you know, the old saying iron sharp sharpens iron. It's no different. And the same came for the classroom. I had to be better each day than I was the day before. Not only is that expected of you, it's just, it's all around you. When the, guy sitting next to you is doing well in class and the young lady beside you is is she's doing well in class you really have no other choice you know because we're all there to get our education but you know we're also in competition with each other as well because at the end of the four years we're going to be competing with each other as well as millions of other people for these jobs that we want And I think that 
level of competition, at least for me, made me want to be better each day. I had to be a better student. I had to be a better friend. I had to be a better young man every single day. And yeah, there's some days where you fall a little short, but that's one of the great things about an HBCU. It pushed you for black excellence and you had to be better than you were the day before. Because everybody else is moving, so you need to be moving along as well. Now, let's hear from Brian. I got to ask you, uh, why did you, what, first of all, what uh, HBCU did you attend and uh, what made you want to attend that HBCU? Well, I attended Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland. Shout out to the Bears, Orange and Blue. Uh, class of 2005, and I'm from originally from the DMV, born in D.C., raised in Maryland. So I was around uh, a few HBCUs, uh, Howard, Bowie State, Morgan State, and, uh, of course, UDC, and then we had Eastern Shore out there as well as that other school on the west side of Baltimore, Coppin, Coppin State, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but love but love to Coppin, though, no matter what. Um, the reason why I decided to go to Morgan, well, I did a little bit of background to me where I grew up in Prince George's County was uh, is known as a predominantly African-American area and fairly affluent. Like, I think it's one of the most affluent African-American communities as a whole in America. Uh, but where I grew up and where I went to high school, I was in much more of a culturally diverse uh, set of students where there was a lot more Caucasian and also Asian and Hispanic students. And I was looking for something a little bit different when I was going to college. So I'd initially applied to some PWIs and uh, I had, you know, family members who were also graduates of HBCUs. I decided to give it a try to look at historically black colleges. And I went on a few college visits and I took a visit up to Morgan, which is about an hour away from my hometown. And it's the first time I'd really ever been in Baltimore before in my life. So, you know, you hear a lot of bad things about Baltimore. But when I got up there, it didn't seem as bad as everyone was telling me. Uh, but I went on a visit to Morgan. I will say when I went up there, the vibe seemed really, really right. It seemed everything sort of seemed just in place. And the presentation of everything was great. Uh, I went up there with my dad. We went up there on an open house. And the reception of everybody was very uh, welcoming and friendly. Uh, we even got a chance to look at one of the dorm rooms, uh, actually was in Cummins Hall at Morgan. And we talked to one of the RAs who was there and he gave a this very honest assessment of it, which was great. Cause you know, you go on these college visits and people tell you, oh, they'll tell you the greatest things in the world about the school and everything. And some of them may be true and some of them may be hyperbole and some of them may be flat out lies. Hmm. Well, he kind of, as they say, kept it a hundred with me and gave my dad, me and my dad, a realistic expectation of what we would expect if we were to come to Morgan. So it came down to a few different schools. And one of the things that helped, I will have to be honest, like I'm a keeper 100 is that in-state tuition and being a public <laughs> college in the state of Maryland definitely aided in my decision and parents decision to have me go to Morgan state university. Um, and when I finally got up there, uh, I knew that I made the right decision because not only was I close to home, but it felt like home. Home and the fact that I had so many people from my hometown, Prince George's County there, but then I also ran into so many different other groups of students that I was able to vibe with. All the students from the tri-state area, 
kids from down south and then also the international students. Um, my family is originally from Grenada. So there were a lot of international students from the Caribbean, from Trinidad, from Jamaica, from Guyana. And it felt like sort of like I was home, like I had been somewhere and I was away from my house, but I was somewhere where everything was familiar to me. And no matter that I was in Baltimore, it felt like home. So that's why I chose Morgan State University, because it was home. No doubt. No doubt. So when you think about HBCUs, a lot of times people ask or they try to ask the question, you know, are they relevant? Do you think HBCUs are still relevant? And if so, why? (laughs) Well, to me, not only are they relevant, but I think they may be as relevant now as they have been probably in almost any period in history. And I say that because of the times that we're living in currently today. Uh, We live in very divisive um, times. We live in a time where uh, when it comes to culturally, as far as black people, there are so many different things and factors at play that attempt attempt to try to rip rip us apart, that try to segregate us, uh, that try to get us pretty much to start infighting. And they're relevant because what an HBCU does is it builds a family type atmosphere and you really rely on what they call as a village. Mm. That's really what I can say is that you, they really build a village and that village doesn't just start with your cohort and the people that you start with and a couple of classes before and after you graduate, it extends all the way back to your parents' generation uh, to their parents' generations and even the generations that come after you. And it's not just the education that you receive at HBCU, because that, to me, is just important in itself. And it's the people that you're getting education from, uh, from a lot of professors. Some of them have been tenured. They've been there for a while. It's um, it's the people, the caliber of the people you have teaching you at HBCU is one thing, but the type of education that you receive, both inside and outside the classroom, is what helps is what makes it relevant because you learn things, not just necessarily what's inside of a textbook or a syllabus, but you learn how the world is going to view you when you step outside those walls and how important a network is and how important being able to make connections are and to understand that you're going to have to work so much more harder uh, on the outside because of who you are and because of where you came from. And the obstacles that people talk about when you go to black schools, and some people make a lot of memes about them and jokes and everything, but it really does test your character. And when you emerge on the other side of that black line that crosses the stage of graduation, what you find is that you're equipped with a certain amount of tools that's way more valuable than anything that you can learn in a textbooks or a syllabus. Mm. And that's one part of it that the physical education can give you. But the education that you get based around family, around a village, around connections, around networking, around uh, collectivism, about your people is really what, to me, makes it relevant. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of arguments from people that will say, oh, well, you know, don't want to go to a black school because the rest of the world isn't all black and you're going to have to be around other people. That's the one time in your life if you choose a historically black college where you truly feel immersed within your people and you feel as though you can be accepted you can be honed, you can be sharpened. If they say iron sharpens iron, you can feel as though you're in an environment that, that is conducive to your growth, where people care about you, and where for years afterwards you have somewhere to call home where you'll always feel welcome. And that's why I think they're still relevant today.
HBCU alumni. <laughs> Man, what can I say about HBCU alumni? Um, every HBCU student owes a debt of gratitude to all HBCU alums. Honestly. They paved the way for them. I mean, like, it goes without saying, but you have to say it. Like, every HBCU alum has paved the way for the next alum to come through the door. Now, of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention some of the notables who have matriculated through HBCUs. Among some of them, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He went to Morehouse. Oprah Winfrey. She went to Tennessee State. Director Spike Lee. He graduated from Morehouse. W.E.B. <laughs> Dubois. He graduated from Fisk University. Astronaut Ronald McNair, a North Carolina A&T alum. Majority whip of Congress, Jim Clyburn. Like me, he's a South Carolina state alum. Marion Wright Edelman, civil rights leader. She graduated from Spelman. NASA mathematician Katherine Johnson. She graduated from West Virginia State. Great poet Nikki Giovanni, also a Fisk alum. Can't forget about the Tuskegee Airmen. They're from Tuskegee University. Tennis legend Althea Gibson. She went to Florida A&M University. Political titan Stacey Abrams is also a Spelman alum. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom. She is a FAMU graduate. And of course, our current vice president, Kamala Harris, she attended Howard University. Now, more than them, there are millions of other HBCU alums who aren't as famous like me, <laughs> but they've paved the way for HBCU to to come through that door. Now, the one thing you can always say is that the alumni pride is strong. It always has been and it always will be. And that's just the facts. Now let's hear from Jay. You're an alum of HBCU. Uh, so tell me where, which, which HBCU did you attend and why did you attend that HBCU? Okay, so I attended uh, Prairie View A&M University mm -hmm. in uh, Prairie View, Texas. And uh, okay, so my journey to an HBCU wasn't straightforward. So I didn't plan to go to an HBCU. Um, it just, by chance, I was led there. I, I would say it was probably meant to be because it was several other schools that I wanted to go to. I was um, an engineering major 
um, well, I wanted to engineer major, um, major in engineering and, uh, I wanted to go to Georgia tech. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was looking at schools in Georgia. Um, of course, you know, most of us, my age range, uh, we watched uh, a different world growing up. <laughs> so, you know, it was always in my mind, like, oh, that'd be cool to go to like a historically black college. And uh, one of my um, um, counselors in school went to PV. Okay. And she was just telling us, you know, she was saying like, you know, if you guys are applying to different schools, you should look at these schools as well. Um, you know, PV, I went and, you know, I have family she said she had family in Texas and that's why she went, she was choosing, she went there. Um, and I told her, well, I wanted to go to Georgia and she was like, well, you know, there's Clark Atlanta, there's, um, Spelman, I think Morris Brown. Um, there's different schools you can, you can look at. And so she gave me like a list of schools and I actually went, uh, my parents took me on a, um, uh, like a self-made college tour, okay. um, my junior year. And just took me around to the different schools and things like that. Uh, to be 100% honest, I wanted to be in Georgia and Atlanta because I thought I could uh, go work for LaFace and be um, be with TLC. <laughs> so all that surrounding that. Um, but uh, my mom didn't want me. I didn't have family in Georgia. I was 18 years old, you know, when I graduated. And she just didn't feel comfortable uh, me leaving Michigan, which is where I'm from, and going to Georgia by myself. And so I do have family. My um, dad's family is in, lives in Houston. And so she says, you know, you can go to Texas. Um, PV is not that far from Houston, so you can go there. Or I would rather you stay home, you know, stay somewhere close to Michigan. And I did not want to do that because I don't, I'm tired of being cold. And I just didn't want to stay at home. I wanted to venture out. So yeah, I ended up at uh at Prairie View. I got in. I got into several schools, but yeah, I chose PV because you know that was my my option. As far as when we talk about uh, the relevancy and why HBCU HBCUs matter, um, mm -hmm. why do you think, or do you think HBCUs matter? And if so, why or why not? I think they do matter. Um, it's the history surrounding it. I think, uh, especially now, but even, even I, I kind of feel like, uh, we're going through a cycle of like repeating history, like civil rights and all these things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, is really important that we keep some history that we have as black people prominent here in America, because so much of our history, um, is erased or people are trying to erase it or trying to downplay it. And, um, I feel like it's still so much about our history that we may not know, you know? Mm. And so keeping these institutions, they are very important. I mean, people need to understand the reason that these institutions were even um, developed were be was because they wouldn't allow us to have educations anywhere else. They made it so difficult to get into these other schools. And you think about your Harvards and your Princetons or whatever it is, these Ivy League schools that even now have the history of not letting certain people in if you don't have this criteria, um, we had to make our own. And we produced through all those schools all over the South, um, produced some, some, you know, really inventive um, people throughout the history of America. It's not just black history, you know what I'm saying? So um, I think it's very important that they're still here and, and 
not to, I mean, for lack of a better term, whitewash um, that, you know, our history in, in the education system. And, um, yeah, I just think that it's, it's, it's super important to keep that. I mean, I think that if I'm not mistaken, well, I don't want to say there's a law. I know in Texas they were trying to um, make the, because we have TSU here and um, PV, Texas uh, Texas Southern University right. and um, Prairie View. And I believe if I'm, I don't know if they are, but they're supposed to be like historical markers. Like you can't tear them down. You can't get rid of them, things like that. Cause it's just, you know, they have some, you know, place in history. So I don't know if they've done that to all of the HBCUs or some, they were trying to do that, but I just think it's important to keep them around. We got We got to have, I mean, we help build this country. We have to have something here. The HBCU network. If you went to an HBCU, it's likely that you'll run into fellow graduates from the same school in the real world. I mean, it's just going to happen. And when you do, you'll share an immediate bond. And the same pretty much goes for anyone that went to an HBCU, even if they didn't attend the same school that you did. The HBCU alumni network has a plethora of opportunities. And honestly, when you meet another HBCU alum, more than likely you're going to become friends. And in a lot of cases, you become lifelong friends. One of the things that we say at HBCUs is that that's like the gift that keeps on giving because someone from an HBCU is always going to look out for someone else at an HBCU. The network, honestly, is incredible. Um, just to give you some background, like when I when I first had this idea about doing this particular podcast. I just sat down and I, at first I was going to do a podcast just speaking to, you know, fellow SC State alums. And honestly, I mean, I may do that down the road as far as another podcast. But. The more and more I thought about it, I was like, hey, I have my own HBCU network. So I just simply sent out a text to all of the people that you will hear on this podcast. They're all in my network and everybody went to different HBCUs. And one of the great things about doing this podcast was that I got a chance to hear people that I've known for a long time explain how and why they chose their particular schools. And in a lot of cases, I didn't know why I knew where they went to school. And I learned something about my friends. And that's always a dope thing. Now, I would be remiss if I did not mention something that was a huge influence on myself and thousands, maybe millions of others uh, that came up in a particular era. There was a show on TV called A Different World, right? A Different World was a spinoff from The Cosby Show. And A Different World aired from for six seasons on NBC from uh, September 24th, 1987 to July 9th, 1993. And the show was based about a fictional college called Hillman College. It was an HBCU in Virginia. And why that show was so influential was that for the first time, we got to see 
what an HBCU looked like on TV. I found it interesting that the kids, you know, they that went to school there, they loved each other. They grew together. And ultimately, they were surrounded by adults, you know, the staff and the administration who genuinely cared about them and wanted them to succeed. And quite honestly, as someone who entered South Carolina State University in the fall of 1991, so this was on the air by the time I got to college, it mirrored life for me. Because there was a genuine love that I had for my fellow students at South Carolina State University. We grew together. And we really genuinely were surrounded by adults, the staff, the administration, for me, my coaches, who genuinely cared about us and they wanted to see us succeed. And that's what you get on an HBCU campus. There's not one HBCU alum that can't go back to their campus and not point out at least four or five people (laughs) who helped them along the way. It's because we've all experienced that feeling. And honestly, for the staff and the administration, there's there's a sense of pride there. They see something in us in these 18, 19, 20 year olds that at the time, maybe we don't see in ourselves. And they push us and they guide us. And they're extremely happy for our success. And that's what's important. And ultimately, as you become an alum, it's, it's more important to you because you know that had it not been for Miss Richardson or Dr. Brown, you wouldn't be where you are today. Now, let's hear from Dwayne. Uh, I have to ask, what HBCU did you attend and why did you choose that particular HBCU? Well, I attended the illustrious North Carolina Central University in Durham, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, uh, Eagle is no ordinary barnyard fowl. And I um, just want to throw that in there for the people who did not know. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Central, like... I would probably say my, I had some years going to Central, a couple of years with Central, but when I was in the marching band in my high school, I went to West Charlotte High School, we marched in their homecoming parade my senior year. Um, just going to that experience, just, just marching in that parade and just walking through the campus, it it felt like, you know, it, it felt like my high school, you know, it was because West Charlotte, you know, you, you might not know Kyle, but West Charlotte's kind of, kind of a tight high school, it's kind mm-hmm. of everything together and central's not really spread out it's kind of everything's together mm-hmm. um so with togetherness to me it, it it encompasses family and so you know when i when i got accepted i was happy of course you know very 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 elated mm-hmm. um and then of course i had to be in the band as well so that was what i what i did my years there so in a nutshell that that year marching in there um in that homecoming parade kind of kind of sealed it for me you know there was other schools you know of course there was you know you know, of course, the other school down the street, you know, everybody always wants to go to that school. And, you know, um, I think it might have been. And, okay, so for the people listening, what what was the school down the street? It's, it's a school down the street about 40 minutes away. It got some ugly colors, um, blue and gold. But you know what? I'm not going to talk. You know, this this is about, 
North Carolina A&T. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've heard of them. Everyone, and, and I'm pretty sure being a bulldog, you 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 have your 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 Aggie stories. Oh, of course. I can, double, I can triple your Aggie stories just because you know that's our rival. <laughs> so you know, it's a love hate with us. You know, of yeah, course. you know, we'll sit here and talk bad about them, but we won't let nobody talk bad about exactly. them. Exactly. Outside of the HBCU, makes total world. sense. I and I think all HBCU alums share that same sentiment. Exactly. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So. My my next question: Why do you do you think HBCUs matter? If so, why? Why or why not? Well, I do think they matter because one, the first word being historical. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's something to go on a historical black college campus and and attend to see folks just like yourself, same color as yourself, um, black and brown, just coming together, you know, and and having that. I guess that, that that bond, that that friendship, because like I said, to me, HBCUs is, equals family. It's like a, it's it's like family to me. You know, I can look at any any of my eagle brothers and sisters and call them my brothers and sisters. It's like family. So, if you embrace embrace family like I do, HBCUs are the way to go. Not saying you probably can't get that from a PWI, mm-hmm. but I just know first first and foremost firsthand that the school I attended. And folks who t- attend other schools as yourself, uh, by you know, attending South Carolina State, you know this. Your school is family. You look at it, you look at everybody like family, and mm-hmm. that's how I look at Central. And then you know, as far as the education goes, I mean, you know, check the records. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're good with ed- education. Right. All HBCUs. Exactly. Just, I mean, people have that 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 mindset to okay, you know. Uh, if I put HBCU on my, on my you know, on my uh, uh, resume, you know, they will look down upon if if my uh, uh, competitor might have Carolina or State or Duke. No, that's, that's not the case. If you know how to sell yourself in an interview, you'll be just fine. <laughs> facts, facts. <laughs> Speaking of going back to campus, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention homecoming. Now, I won't I won't dive too deep into homecoming on this particular podcast because there is an upcoming podcast strictly about homecoming and some homecoming stories. And just subscribe. You definitely don't want to miss that. Um, but homecoming is special. Um, I've often said that one of the things that I wish that I could do is that I could take homecoming, (laughs) put it in a bottle and sell it. I mean, it would be a bestseller. It would sell through the roof because there's nothing like that experience. I mean, for one, you've got the game, right? If you go in the game, because (laughs) quite honestly, no matter which HBCU you're at, you can go to homecoming and not see any parts of the game. <laughs> now, for me, given the fact that I played football, you know, for many years, it was a there was a certain level of interest and, in, you know, dedication to the, the athletic program. No, I wanted to I was at the game. I was trying to be there at kickoff. I was trying to see everything because I was so I'm I'm so I'm still connected to the football program. And I always will be, to be honest. Uh 
but I do remember some years like it where it was homecoming was just like that lit. Like I, <laughs> I didn't even make it in the stadium. Um, but from the game, the tailgate, um, the parties, the concerts, uh, I, I wish I had time to talk. And like I said, I'll, I'll talk about it on another podcast, but the homecoming concert is an event in and of itself on most, most HBCU campuses, to be honest. Um, it's an, it's an incredible experience. It, it is something that I think everyone under the sound of my voice should experience at least three times. And when I say three times, I don't necessarily mean at the same school, go to three different homecomings and tell me what you think. And I mean, you can't talk about homecoming or a football game for that matter without talking about the bands. There is nothing like a halftime show at an HBCU. I mean, at some schools, people go to the game just to see the band. Like the football team ain't that good, (laughs) but the band is rocking. And at most HBCUs, the halftime show is just that. It's the show. So when the halftime show is over, that's when people leave the stands and go to the concession stands or go to the bathroom or whatever. You don't you don't get up. You know, it's not like an NFL game where it's halftime. You go get something to eat or something like that. No, you're in your seat until the final band walks off the field. And here's one fact I, I will throw out there. Every HBCU alum will tell you that their school has the best band. They don't, but hey, they're going to tell you that anyway. (laughs) Myself included. Um, But you should listen. Again, there's going to be upcoming homecoming podcasts, so I don't want to delve too much into it. But um, homecoming is an event that you don't want to miss. It is incredible. It's a great time. And um, it, it's 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 an experience. I'll say that much. Speaking of great homecomings, my next guest claims that her her school has the greatest homecoming on earth. <laughs> Here's Tiff J. When it comes to HBCUs, you attended an HBCU. What school did you attend, and why did you attend that school? the outstanding North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, the largest HBCU in the nation. Um, and I chose, well, actually A&T chose me. Okay. And I say that because um, my first experience uh, at A&T was going to a university day. I don't even know if, if institutions still have university days like they used to. Um, I know A&T still does because I used to work there. But you know, you go in and you kind of see everything that the university has to offer, mm-hmm. right? So you go in and they're, you know, into this big room in the gym or whatever, and you know, you you find out about this major or that major or that program, this organization, and then it's kind of punctuated with performances by university groups. And the first time I saw the Blue and Gold Marching uh, Machine in person, I was like, "Oh, I'm coming here. I'm this is this is it for me." <laughs> and then, we went to the football game 
and I saw the band and the cheerleaders and the Aggie Livewires, which is our pep squad and mm-hmm. everything. And everybody was just working together and it was just a good time. And I was like, yo, I'm coming here. Mm. And, um, you know, after that, I went to my first homecoming, which is my senior year of high school. And I have not missed a homecoming since. Uh, well, COVID. Right. Of course. You I, know. Heard, I heard you guys have a pretty good homecoming. That's what I've heard. You know, you know, it, you know, the greatest on earth. But, you know, well, let me sneeze at. But, you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing I wanted to ask was, um. Do you think HBCUs matter? And if so, why? Of course they matter, right? So there's, and, you know, it's kind of different for me because I've worked in higher ed and, you know, I'm actually in graduate school now at a PWI. And there's this constant argument about the relevance of Black institutions now in the 21st century. And they are relevant. They matter now more than they ever have. Uh, because of the climate that we live in and because of everything that, you know, these kids just aren't getting anymore. You know, we're getting further and further away from, you know, the the civil rights movement or what we know as the modern civil rights movement. And there are certain things that we just don't know about. Like we know about protesting and demonstrating in the streets now uh, because of Black Lives Matter, but we don't know the actual going through you know, the crazy of just our personhood and, you know, we got to use different water fountains and we can't go into certain businesses and those kinds of things. And HBCUs were built on a foundation of making sure we were proud of who we are and proud of what we produce. And so we need that now more than ever, specifically when it feels like all of these places that we thought were going to embrace us is kind of spewing us out now. Mm. Like you were never really welcome here. You know, you're, you became welcome because the law said we had to welcome you, but now we don't want you anymore. Or we only want you for whatever talent that you have. And so it's, of course, of course we matter. Of course we're relevant. And with all of these kids kind of flipping and going to these HBCUs to take their talents to, you know, places like Jackson state and Howard in North Carolina A&T and South Carolina State and all these different places where we're getting these really big, you know, three, four-star recruits, mm-hmm. these PWIs are going to see how much we matter. Mm. So it's it's only a matter of time before, you know, we, we actually start getting the respect we deserve. But yes, the very long answer to your question of, of do they matter? Absolutely. We will always matter. When completing a long climb, one first experiences dizziness, disorientation, and shortness of breath due to the high altitude. But once you become accustomed to the climb, your mind opens up to the tranquility of the triumph. Oftentimes, the mind is flooded with realizations that were for some reason harder to come to when you were at a lower elevation. At this moment, Most of you need some realizations because right now you have some big decisions to make. Right now, I urge you in your breath, in your in your eyes, in your in your in your consciousness, invest in the importance of this moment and cherish it. I I know savor the taste of your triumphs today. 
Don't just swallow the moment whole without digesting what has actually happened here. Look down over what you conquered and appreciate what God has brought you through. And that was an excerpt from a commencement speech at Howard University by Howard alum, the late great actor, Chadwick Boseman. May he rest in peace. Growth. That is something else that happens at an HBCU period. The growth that you have between your freshman year and your senior year honestly is unreal. If you're an HBCU alum, think back to who you were and what you did as a freshman. Now, Think back to who you were and what you did as a senior. You're not the same person, right? Of course not. I remember um, before I went off to college at South Carolina State University, it was the, the summer before I was supposed to attend school, Um. I sat down and had a long conversation with my uncle. And much like me, my uncle attended South Carolina State University. Uh, the difference is my uncle, not only did he play football, but he was an All-American at South Carolina State University. He was drafted in the fourth round by the New York Giants. And he went on to playing nine Pro Bowls. He won a Super Bowl ring in 1986. And he is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His name is Harry Carson. And I remember having a conversation with him just before I left to go to school. And he sat me down and he said, and I'll never forget this, he said, I've done all of these things in my lifetime. And I've been beyond blessed. And I've made a lot of money, experienced a great life playing in the NFL for 13 years for one team, winning a Super Bowl, being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All of that is great. He said, but the best four years of my life were the four years that I had at South Carolina State University. And my eyes lit up. Like, wow, really? I mean, the the four years at South Carolina State was better than beating the Denver Broncos and John Elway in the Super Bowl? Like, going to the Pro Bowl all those years? I mean, like, going to the Hall of Fame? It's, it's, it was better than that? And he was like, yeah. It was like the best four years of my life. And I stand here as an alum of South Carolina State and I can say the same thing. Now, 
I've had a different kind of fun in my life. But yeah, those five and a half years at South Carolina State University were the best five and a half years of my life. And yeah, it took me five and a half years to graduate because, you know, school of business. Hey, what can I say? Um, but yeah, honestly, it, 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 it was. And I say that unequivocally. And that speaks to my growth as well. I mean, just honestly, just looking back, being able to watch people grow and blossom over that period of time is just a beautiful thing to watch. And what's weird is that as I watch my friends grow, I was growing in the process as well. You know, maybe you got on the yard and you were shy or maybe you were introvert. And by the time you left, you were a social butterfly. That's growth. And we saw it a lot. Honestly, if you pay attention, you'll see it every day. Now, let's take a listen to my man Eclectic. Hey, e, man, got to ask you for the podcast. Uh, where did you attend college and why did you attend the school that you chose? I attended and graduated because that's important. Of course. Grambling State University in Grambling, Louisiana, where everybody is somebody. GSU, I thought you knew, B-word. <laughs> so why did you choose Grambling State University? Okay, so here's the thing. All right, first off, I went on a black college tour when I was a junior. When I was a junior in high school, I went on a black college tour. We went, um, we went, through all the South. So we went to the joints in North Carolina. We went to South Carolina. We went to Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Florida. So I went to FAMU, went to, when I was in Louisiana, went to Gremlin, went to Dillard. Um, I don't think we went to Southern, which is good, because, anyway. Um, yada, yada, yada. I was, I was hoodwinked and bamboozled. This is what happened. When we got to Gremlin, it was during homecoming week mm. and homecoming week. I mean, they had the stuff all over the place and, 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 and it was step shows in the middle of the street while we walking around looking at the campus. It was women. It was hot. It was women with things out, you know, and um, also um, once upon a time while I, whilst I was at home watching uh, music videos, I saw the uh, TLC Baby, Baby, Baby video, which featured um, uh, T-Boss wearing a Grambling State University sweatshirt. And since I was young and impressionable, I thought she went there. So I, I, I figured at least she could introduce me to Chili. Mm. So, um, nah, man, but it, 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 it looked good. It was a good vibe. It was a good feeling. It, it, it had a name. The name rang out. You know, you would see the, the, the sweatshirts on watching Martin and like I said, the TLC video, you see Grambling and um and and you always see him on TV, the football Bayou Classic, the whole thing. And and Eddie Robinson. So now nah, I was like, so what happened when I was on the Black College Tour junior year high school, 
I was looking around, saw all that stuff, told the tour guide guy, give me an application, I'm going here. Mm. While we were walking around, he said, you serious? I said, yeah, give me an application. I'm not messing around with you. I'm going to have a podcast in 30 years. I'm <laughs> fucking... So well, we went to the registrar's office. He was walking around. He gave me an application. I filled it out while we were walking around, gave it to him. I ain't need to mail it back. Mm. So like, look, we don't even need to worry about that. And I got accepted my junior year of high school. I got accepted later on. And so that meant senior year of high school was a breeze because I had a dorm room assignment. Right. And they the final exam meant nothing to me. So <laughs> that's it. That's what happened. That's the story. Sounds great. Sounds great. So tell me why, why or, or if you do think that uh, HBCUs matter, uh, tell me why. Well, here's the thing. College matters, period. Whether it's a traditionally all-black college or not, because of the experience. Now, look, the education is a good thing, great, but the experience is what you're going to college, is what your takeaway from college is. Because most people that graduated from college will tell you they use about 5% of their major. Hmm. So... But they could tell you stories about college. They could tell you how things that they learned in college helped them out. So black college in particular, I think, mattered a lot more in the 80s and 90s than it does now. The reason being is a lot of people are choosing to not even go to college. And it's not necessarily being pumped up as a big thing. Slash, if you are going, you're going to an Ivy League, not Ivy League, but a, a big college. Mm-hmm. And um, But I think it's important that we do get back to that. But the thing is, um, growing up, you were told to, you know, go to college, you know, or go to the service. So you go to college. But going to a black college, especially in the the 80s and the 90s, you get to see different walks of life within your own community. So it's like you you grew up around black people, and you see those are black people you hung out with. But then when you go to college, so if I'm coming from Ohio, I'm seeing how black people in Louisiana live Mm -hmm. versus black people in Chicago live, and black people that's from L.A. live. And you see how different the upbringing is, but then you see how how much how the same things happen too. Like you know, you talk about things growing up. Like yeah, we used to do this and that. Like we did too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like you would find out that you would play the same games. You would you would uh, rock the same things when the internet didn't exist. <laughs> and you're like, well, how did you know? Bubblegum, bubblegum in a dish. <laughs> like, right. I thought, I thought we made that up. Like, nah, you ain't make that shit up. What are you talking about? Right. And like, nah, I used to wear the such and such with the with the fat laces, like these, and they pull out a picture. Like, yeah, I actually had that. So, um, it, so that part is cool. Um, and you get to learn a lot about your people. Mm-hmm. Um, you you will learn more about your history there than you ever will anywhere else. Personally, I learned more about black history from hip-hop than anywhere, including my black college, but I did learn a lot about my people there, and um, your independence 
and and how you fit into society, you get a lot from a black college. Um, even though you would think going to a college that has a lot of different races would prepare you, but it doesn't because when you're in college, you're all trying to get out of college. You're not necessarily caring about living together or cooperating together. You're just trying to get, you're trying to graduate. It's like, look, if you're going to help me graduate, psh, all right, whatever it is. But when you, when you, when you're around a lot of your people, you, you realize like, look, this is what we got to do. Because once we get out of here, it's a different world. And this is how you got to interact and you got to, you got to um, be with people. So that the networking experience and the fun that also, depending on where you come from, it might not have been a lot of fun in the streets. Mm. And then to get back into college, you around all your people and you having a ball, you having a block party, you have you drinking for the first time, you, you, you're meeting different kind of women that you never had access to before, and nobody has beef because we just here, especially when you're a freshman. When you're a freshman, you're like, we all in this together. We don't know anything. So uh, let's hang out. Let's go do it. And there's no problems. You step on somebody's shoe, they're like, man, shit, I don't <laughs> there was is no no troubles. The only stress that you have is the the the, the classes and trying to graduate. Mm -hmm. But beef between people, that wasn't even a thing. I don't remember. I remember maybe like three fights <laughs> the whole right, my whole right. tenure. Um, and and see so that that's the other thing that's different now. I think that the mentality that people have now is just not. It's not great, and I don't know how to get people back to what it was, but um, maybe going to these types of schools would, would do it so that people are like, look, it's just us. You, you could drop all the, all the tough. It's, it's just us. Nobody's looking. Mm -hmm. it's, it's cool. But um, I think it's important for college, period, but definitely I would not trade the black college experience for anything. I highly suggest and endorse it, especially for extra talented people, your athletes, your, your scientists, your, your, your health, your, your doctors, your nurses. I think if we could populate the, the black colleges um, more and seek those out, um, it'll do a world of, world of good and help for us in the future. Diversity. Contrary to popular belief, HBCUs are very diverse. You will find people from all around the world on an HBCU campus. You don't have to take a class to learn about different cultures because the black people that you're around are fully represented in your dorm. And to be honest, outside of just black people, you'll find all different races on an HBCU campus. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, it's not just exclusive to black people. There are white people on, <laughs> on HBCU campuses as well. And honestly, some of them are becoming even more white. And that's cool. Even with the diversity as a black student, you still learn that we are so different in our 
experiences and in our tastes and in our culture. We're all black, but the cultures and the backgrounds are so different. For example, my freshman year at South Carolina State, my roommate was from, I'm from Florence, South Carolina, right? My roommate was from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Then across the hall, two guys that roomed together. One was from Orangeburg, South Carolina, which is where South Carolina State is. The other was from Brooklyn. Then in the next room, you had one guy. He was from Gainesville, Florida. His roommate was from Miami. Then the room down the hall, you had a guy from Lamar, South Carolina. And his roommate was from Washington, D.C. Then around the corner, you had a guy from Philadelphia and his roommate was from Bermuda. <laughs> we learned quickly that, you know, we were different and we we had different languages. We had <laughs> we had different dialects. I mean, to be honest, even from being from South Carolina, someone from where I'm from in South Carolina, the PD region doesn't necessarily talk like someone from Charleston. <laughs> totally different. We were different in the foods that we like. We we're different in the music that we like. You literally could be walking down the hallway in the dorm and one minute you're hearing Miami bass, the next minute you're hearing go-go. Just like that. And then you walk around the corner, you hear like something chopped and screwed. <laughs> it was just that diverse. We were all different. And I think that was one of the things that really enhances the experience at an HBCU. Now let's hear from Sherry. I have to ask, uh, what HBCU did you attend and why did you attend that HBCU? I attended the one and only, uh, in my opinion, best, better than best HBCU, and that is Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, The reason I attended Spelman um, was partially because of my mom. My mother actually attended Stillman College in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and um, she, you know, she was just always pro HBCU. Um, you know, I had a few choices to be honest with you, um, of schools that I applied to, um, being Howard Hampton, and then also Spelman, and then also applied to Morris Brown. Um, Believe it or not, I actually got a full academic scholarship to um, other schools. But when I got the offer letter from Spelman, my mom was like, you have to go to Spelman. (laughs) She was just like, there is no option, no question. Like, that's where you need to be. And she just, you know, always talked about what a prestigious school it was. Um, I had severe reservations because one, it was an all girl school. And all I could imagine 
was just being out of school with nothing but females. Mm. And, um, you know, but in actuality, it was very contrary to that because we had more males on our campus than probably, you know, the, the schools that were unisex. Mm -hmm. So, um, so anyway, all that to answer the question is, is that my mom is the one that really pushed me, uh, to go to Spelman. Okay. Okay. So I also have to ask, uh, why do you think HBCUs matter? Um, well, I, I definitely think they matter from a historical basis and also uh, because of, of culture as a whole. I think the African-American race is very diverse in itself. Mm. And I think it's very important uh, for people, you know, of African-American descent to be able to be in an environment you know, where not only are they challenged to be their best, but they're able to flourish without some of the hindrances and having to jump through some of the hurdles that you have to in, um, you know, other schools. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it gives us a sense of empowerment. It gives us a sense of, you know, knowing who we are beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I think sometimes that, you know, gets overshadowed sometimes and and even diminished, you know, in other environments where, you know, people of African-American descent are held back or they're not given the same opportunities or they are overlooked or, um, you know, having to to deal with um, certain structures and things that keep us from really excelling like we should not be, you know, having the same fair opportunities as, um, everyone else. So I think, you know, when you attend to HBCU, you definitely, you know, you know who you are Mm -hmm. and it's like, then once you get in the real world, no one can take that away from you, you know? Um, for me personally, it was definitely a blessing because one thing that, that Spellman teaches you is, is that, you know, we are powerful, not just as women, but as black women. And, you know, they, they teach us that, you know, nothing can stop us and, um, that we are the cream of the crop. And, um, and then when you, when you get that foundation and you get that drilled into you from day one, you literally go out in the world and you, you run it, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and I think that a lot of people in black colleges get that experience. And then also the camaraderie of being with your peers and being with people who are like you. And, and it's funny because as, as, as different as we all are, I mean, and you know, I'm mixed with black and Korean and I definitely stand out from your typical African-American woman, but you know, as diverse as we all are, we have so many things in common. And, you know, when we come together, um, you know, it's nothing we can't do. It's nothing we can't accomplish. And I think, you know, in that environment, it also teaches us that too, you know. Financial aid, the financial aid office and customer service issues. Mm. If you attend 
an HBCU, you probably had an encounter with someone in the Office of Financial Aid. And if you didn't, you're lucky. (laughs) I'll be honest. Most of them, they're not trying to be mean or difficult, but sometimes that's just how they are. I'll say this. You'll learn how to deal with customer service issues quickly at an HBCU. And what's what's interesting is that no matter where you go to school, almost everybody has a financial aid story. Or, or a customer service issue that they had. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's just an inside joke. It's a joke that, you know, us HBCU alums all have in common. But all jokes aside, the financial aspects of HBCUs is very critical. Um, As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we've already seen three HBCUs close. Funding for HBCUs is critical. Some HBCUs are funded well, but others are vastly and poorly underfunded. So it's imperative that, you know, HBCU alums, alums give money back to their schools. Now, here's something that I found when I was doing some research. The National Science Foundation has a study that looks at the past decade. And the question was, who was producing African-American undergrads who get into STEM PhDs? Howard University was number one when it came to producing those students and the top 10 were all HBCUs. Howard produced 220 in that period of time over that decade, right? Stanford, Harvard, MIT, and Yale produced 221. Now, it goes without saying, the endowment for those four schools, it's probably somewhere between 90 billion and 100 billion. And Howard's endowment is like 750 million. So, in essence, outpunching your weight class is really a hallmark of HBCUs. We got to do better. And we do better with less. But it's imperative that, you know, HBCUs handle their students and their experiences for what they are. It's a business transaction. You have to make the education experience, the entire experience for the four or five or for some of you, six or seven years that you're in school. You have to make it pleasurable for the student because and this is something I used to hear all the time. Yesterday's freshman becomes tomorrow's alum. You have to make the education experience worthwhile for that particular student. If it's bad, they're not going to give back money when they become alums. They just won't. And that's something that every HBCU has to focus on, making that experience such to where they feel compelled and want to give back. And then us as alums, we must make sure that we do that so that we can continue to fund and provide for our universities. 
Now let's hear from my man Ezel. Now I gotta ask, where did you go to school when it comes to HBCUs, and why did you choose that particular HBCU? Um, first off, I went to probably the most prestigious academic institutions um, of all HBCUs, Hampton University, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, hold your applause and finish. Um, <laughs> but but no, nah, I actually went to Hampton. I had a little bit of exposure to um, to architecture as did a few drafting classes at Wilson High School, and I kind of got turned on to world architecture um, and was curious about it. And my actually, my sister attended Hampton already, and she was instrumental in letting me know, you know, they got an architecture department um, there that, that may interest you since you're into that, you know. So then that's kind of what was the, the draw for me. And I already had familiarity with the campus and where it was. And my sister being a student there at the time made the transition very easy for me. And then, you know, once you go on the campus, you know, one time, you're going to hook. So they call it the home by the sea. Uh, the, the, the actual campus is located on the um, located on the riverfront with stone riprap going throughout the, the edges of the campus. And it's a really beautiful campus. And once you go there and experience the culture there with the beautiful scenery, it, it'll be a, a addition for most students, I'm sure, if they get a chance to visit. But that was the that was the whole choice. That was the ended up at Hampton University. Once again, one of the most yeah, academic institutions. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So, yeah, that's it. so why do you think HBCUs matter? Oh man, I think you know um, just the history of them of themselves. They were originally uh, how they came about, you know, through times where, of course, African-Americans could not be educated in, you know, predominantly white institutions. And, you know, they were created particularly for educating African-Americans. And um, I think over the years that that has evolved and it's been primary, you know, the primary producer of some of the most successful professionals across the country, particularly African-Americans, most of them come out of um, historically black colleges, universities. And I also think just from a evolution standpoint students who who may need more uh, of a cultural um of experience particularly when you know that majority of the other colleges are predominantly white institutions where you're a smaller minority participation minority percentage and and you know sometimes that cultural piece may can slip and you know we all know the work world and the workforce is right. does not look like the hbcu campus so <laughs> so <laughs> so being able to being able to have that experience and you know, look at other people who are, you know, similar in thought and the way they pursue life and cultural connections to a lot of people who are there for the same reasons. It does give you a more sense of awareness of who you are and that, you know, we're not we're not a monolith. We're not just a sense of a demographic that people demonize. You know, there's a lot of excellence in our community and, you know, having that concentration and experience with those kinds of people over the course of four years, I think it's a necessary thing and it's a necessary option for people who want that experience. I think it should definitely be something that should never go anywhere, even though they've been trying to make them go away. I want to let you in on a little secret. Every class that you attend at an HBCU is a study in black history. What I mean by that is that you'll learn something about black history in every single class that you attend. I would venture to say that 
a lot of HBCU students, myself included, learn more about black history at their HBCU than any other time in their life. And black history is not just about Rosa Rosa Parks or Dr. King. As I mentioned on the podcast two weeks ago, I did a podcast about Malcolm X. And I mentioned on the podcast about how I was someone who attended a predominantly black elementary school, a predominantly black middle school, a predominantly black high school, and yet none of those school those schools barely mentioned Malcolm X, if at all. Now, of course, I got lessons on Malcolm X when I came home from school, but it wasn't until I got to college where I really got a better understanding as to who Malcolm X was and what he was about. But yeah, every class that you attend at an HBCU, you will learn something about black history. I remember I had, um, when I was at South Carolina State, I was a marketing major, right? And I had a financial management class. And one day we came to class and... I I never get it because I really wasn't prepared that day. I didn't do anything. I just kind of got up and went to class. I didn't, you know, I barely had my stuff together. I was running late and I don't, I never liked going anywhere late, but got to class and got settled in and I really didn't feel prepared because I hadn't studied any notes or anything. If, if he had hit us with a quiz, I'd have been done. But we spent the entire class time talking about Black Wall Street. The entire class period was a lesson on the history of what happened on Black Wall Street. We never opened our books. We never, you know, took notes. Our professor for an hour talked about Black Wall Street. And it was that day that I learned about Black Wall Street because I had never heard that story before. But again, this is a financial management class and it became a history lesson. Black history. That's what it's all about. Now let's take a listen to Ursula. Uh, so Ursula, I have to ask, uh, where did you attend as far as an HBCU uh, and why did you choose that particular HBCU? Um, well, I attended the prestigious Florida A&M University, three times college of the year. Um, so you asked me um, why I chose mm-hmm. Florida A&M University. Actually, I accepted Florida A&M University chose me. Mm. And um, I am not going to lie. Initially, I did have my heart set on um, UCLA and Spelman. Um, I considered um, Georgia Tech. I considered some other, you know, schools um, that were not an HBCU. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember my older sister. Um, she attended a PWI. Okay. 
And I remember she was very excited. And it's funny because my mother and father are products of Albany State University. And my dad is actually in the Hall of Fame there um, for football. But anyway, they tried to convince her that um, she should attend an HBCU. And she was just dead set against going. Um, My sister did attend a predominantly white high school. At one point, she was the only black cheerleader, and she had uh, a numerous set of problems. But, you know, she insisted that she did not want to go, in her words, to a black school. Mm. Um, In that one year she attended school, At the PWI, she had so many problems, just so many problems. She um, could not find that um, relatable um, avenue um, that she needed and did not realize she needed. Um, My mother convinced her to come home. And she came home and she was still just fighting, you know, hey, I just don't want to go to a black school. And my mom just said, okay, well, let's just, Let's just have a visit. Um, my mom was friends with someone at uh, one of the AU uh, center schools. Um, that's Atlanta University. Because um, my mom received her master's from the AUC. So anyway, um, they spoke with my sister, and she enrolled in one class. And, you know, to kind of just fast forward, she graduated um, from Clark Atlanta University. Okay. And, you know, she realizes that should have been her start. You know, that was one of the best decisions. So then I'll fast forward and go back. Um, I was accepted um, into Spelman College. Um, I decided not to do that because I did not want to be under my sister's shadow anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I honestly, you know, my mom was just like, UCLA, okay, where's the rest of the money coming from? So that Mm kind of narrowed it to... um, Georgia Southern. And so I really thought about my sister's plight and I said, well, let me just visit. And so I visited, I did my research and, you know, I was sold, you know, there was so uh, much history there. Um, oh my, Althea Gibson. Um, oh my God. I cannot think of his name. Football player. He came back and actually got his degree. Okay, it'll come to me in a minute. I'm so right. sorry. It's all good. But um, so anyway, the history, um, the programs um, from the business program, that's like number one, um, the education program, the engineering. So I was just really sold at that time. Um, I had people that, you know, once I, you know, uh, finished my visit, came back to Atlanta, I had people still calling me. Um, from people that had graduated 10 years prior to uh, college freshmen themselves. And I just, you know, it was something about family. I know everybody talked, talked, you know, talked about it being a party school, but I mean, and and I'm not going to lie, you know, family knows how to have fun. I'm not going to say party, but have fun. And I mean, that's just a part of college life and everything else, but that is nowhere near, uh, what defines um, FAMU in our greatness. And, you know, they, uh, it was when you, when you get there, you know, it's almost like you have to prove yourself. Mm 
And you have people from day one, you know, telling you the ins and outs, the do's and the don'ts, um, what's acceptable, almost kind of, um, I took a course and I'm thinking this is going to be like this college 101 class. And it was, but it was really just centered around, you know, uh, being a rattler. And the one unique thing it does talk about having, you know, pride as, you know, being in, at an HBCU, mm-hmm. having um, that pride and the foundation. And, you know, it was just the, now I actually attended Tri-Cities High School. Okay. And so I'm, you know, even though it was a little more diverse, I'm still used to kind of being, you know, around my own. But I promise you, it was like a culture shock because of just, you know, the spirit and, and everybody at FAMU had something to prove. I'm not going to lie. And it was just that, you know, winning, go-getting attitude that also, you know, drew me in. So my next question, uh, do you think HBCUs still matter? If if so, why, why not? Um, they absolutely matter. And it's not to discredit the PWIs because, matter of fact, I was in a feeder program. Um, so I actually you know, at some point attended classes um, at Florida State University. But um, they matter because there are several students who are um, underprivileged in many ways. And I'm not just talking about economically. I'm just talking about um, from, you know, from history to knowing who they are and who they can and should be. And um, HBCUs actually do that. And because it's, I don't want to say they have to prove themselves. Like I said, it, it, everybody at FAMU had something to prove, mm-hmm. but they take the extra um, step to not only ensure that, you know, you are on track um, as far as your classes and graduation and, and that you are in the best um, program that suits what you can do and want to do. But, you know, they uplift and they are so empowering. So when you see, um, when, like, you know, my students, when they see the Kamala Harris's and, and um, FAMU's very own um, Keisha Lance Bottoms, when they see that and they realize, wait a minute, you know, they attended these HBCUs, you know, that's, you know, an, an empowering thing right there, you know, alone. So they definitely matter because there are just some avenues that you're not going to get um, anywhere else that you're definitely going to get at an HBCU, that that pride, that esteem, you know, and, and even feeling like, you know, each one reaching one and things like that, because that's taught at most um, HBCUs. Black is beautiful, <laughs> period. I know you don't need me to tell you that, but it is. Black is beautiful. There is nothing more beautiful than what you will see on an HBCU campus. Because all you will see is beautiful black faces. Males, females. All shapes, all sizes, all hues. Just look around. That's all you see. Beautiful black faces. Now, I'll admit, (laughs) 
when I got to South Carolina State University in 1991, the girls outnumbered the guys about mm, 20 to 1. (laughs) Or at least that's what they told us. And I think that sounds about right. And they were beautiful. And that was 1991. But I do remember meeting this girl. This one girl that I met in the fall of 1994. And I fell in love with her. And after 20 years of marriage, four kids, we're still here and we're still together. So, yeah. You can find love on an HBCU campus. I did. (laughs) Now let's hear from Tiffany. First question I have for you is uh, where did you go to school and what made you choose that particular HBCU? I attended Tuskegee University in Tuskegee, Alabama. Shout out to the Tigers. Okay. I chose Tuskegee after a visit my junior year on spring break with my then high school friend who um, I went with her family. We took a trip to a school tour and we got there and I was, you know, taken aback, like, man, I'm in this small town, but I felt like I was in a different world. I literally felt like we were driving on the campus of a different world. It just felt like something totally different from being in a city. Everybody teases about a country town, but the town is the college, mm. and it was beautiful. Um, did the tour, you know, went through that whole thing, but it was like the feeling that I had, I felt like this was going to be home for me. And after that, I set out to do mission thing. And pretty much my entire senior year, I knew where I was going. So by fall of my senior year, I had gotten accepted and it was all she wrote. Mm, that's what's up. That's what's up. So uh, I have to ask uh, why, you know, do you think HBCUs matter? If so, why or why not? Absolutely, HBCUs matter. Um, There are so many things uh, waiting to rob us as black people of our creativity, Mm. freedom, joy, recognition, resources. So why would I want to waste all of that on other higher institutions that don't consider us the majority rulers? And for me, I've always gone to black ever since I was in junior high school, I went to predominantly black junior high, um, 99% black high school. It was like the oldest established high school in my city. So I didn't have a question about, was I going to attend an HBCU? (laughs) But considering our school was the nickname, we were baby, um, baby rattlers because Mm -hmm. we were the same, School colors as FAMU. Okay. 
they were four hours away. I also, you know, was an hour away from Bethune-Cookman, which back then was college, now mm-hmm. it was BCU. Right. So we had a gamut of, you know, black institutions that, you know, I could have gone to just in my own home state, but I wanted to venture outside. I didn't want to be too far, but I wanted to be far enough that my mama couldn't get in the car and, and come checking on me. Right. <laughs> So it, it they matter. They definitely matter. You uh, you know, being in a place where people look like me, people are going to care about, you know, versions of myself, you know, the other students on campus. Um, and the size was important to me, just being, you know, not too big, because throughout my senior year, I did attend a program where I went to UCF at least uh, once every six weeks for this little engineering program trying to promote and get more black students at the university. And although it was cool to go, we got to go on campus and sit in the classroom and, and, you know, do things geared towards, you know, SECME and get to eat lunch there. And it was, you know, the variety and just, just a big university like that. It was overwhelming and it was nice, but I knew that wasn't going to be a place that I wanted to go and spend the next four or five years of my life. So it was a nice experience, but I was glad to take my talents to an HBCU. HBCUs will always be relevant. They are relevant because we are relevant. Period. HBCUs have always been our backbone. Let me drop some numbers on you. HBCUs are responsible for 75% of all black all black PhDs. HBCUs are responsible for 46% of black business executives. HBCUs are responsible for 50% of black engineers. They're responsible for 80% of black federal judges. HBCUs are responsible for 85% of black doctors. HBCUs are responsible for 50% of black attorneys. HBCUs are responsible for 75% of black military officers. 40% of black dentists come from HBCUs and 50% of black pharmacists are from HBCUs. That's what we are responsible for. Honestly, an HBCU is home. It's a safe space. It's a space that's a haven for us. It's a space where 
we can be unapologetically black. It's a place where you can find you and find your people. It's a place where your education never stops from the classroom to the dorm, to the cafeteria, to the quad. Your education never stops. For me, I chose South Carolina State University because it was home. It felt like home. Even to this day, when I step foot on that campus, I'm at home. I know every corner of that campus like it's the back of my hand. But it's home. HBCUs matter because it is the place where you can go and be loved. Not just because you can dunk or because you can catch touchdown passes. You're loved and you're wanted there. You're accepted and not tolerated. HBCUs matter. At HBCUs, you don't have to worry about a dorm being named after a Confederate general. You don't have to worry about your Black Lives Matter protest on campus being interrupted by white supremacists. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're yelling about who won the last Bayou Classic or who has the best homecoming or who won the Battle of the Bands <laughs> or yelling about which HU is better. You know that as HBCU alums, we have love for each other because we know what we've all been through. HBCUs matter. Why do they matter? For HBCU history, for black excellence, for HBCU alumni, for the HBCU network, because of a show like A Different World that exposed HBCUs to millions of black kids who may not have even thought about it until they saw it on the TV screen. For homecoming, for growth, for diversity, for yeah, being able to deal with financial aid and customer service issues, for black history, for seeing how beautiful we are as a people in all shapes and all hues and all colors. For all of those reasons and much, much more, that's why HBCUs matter. Since 1837, we've mattered. We've always mattered. And we always will. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, As I mentioned before, there will be times that we will drop bonus episodes so you don't want to miss it. Make sure that you subscribe. And before I get out of here, got to give a special shout out to everyone who participated in this podcast. Want to thank Candace Amos for giving me the inspiration for this podcast. Uh, Special thanks to Samantha from Howard University, Brian from Morgan State, Jay from Prairie View, Dwayne from North Carolina Central, Tiff J from North Carolina A&T University, the late great Chadwick Bozeman, 
a.k.a. Black Panther, rest in peace, from Howard University. My man Eclectic from Grambling State University. Sherry from Spelman College. Ezell from Hampton University. Ursula from Florida A&M University. Tiffany from Tuskegee University. And last but not least, me, 12 Kyle from South Carolina State University. That's going to do it for me. I'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.